you, you take care of us in every way. And Father, whether we have a little or we have a plenty, you're always faithful. And we thank you, God, that you remind us each and every day that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are blessed to be a blessing. We're the apple of your eye. That, Lord, we just don't, we just don't uh, exist, but we have a purpose. Because you have a plan, Lord, for each and every one of us. Because, God, you've given us, each and every one of us, who are followers of you, an assignment to be a blessing to others. To lift someone up, Lord, that doesn't understand your mercy or doesn't know of your grace. And we thank you, God, that this place, this time together, is preparation for going out and spreading the amazing love and amazing good news of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you, Lord. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with your presence today. Fall fresh upon your people. Fall fresh upon your servant. But Lord, that everything that is said would be from you. Speak to your people, O God, as you've spoken to me. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Not too long ago, I saw a wonderful movie, Woodlawn. How many of you seen that movie, Woodlawn? Anybody seen that movie, Woodlawn? If you haven't, you can rent it now. It's a very powerful movie about a true story of back in, 1970, back in the 70s where God moved in an amazing way. There was huge racial um, uh, hatred and there was uh, integration, uh, in, in especially in Alabama. Uh, the the, the African-American students were, were taken to a white school and there was so much hatred and so much conflict and so on. And God, God sent, and, a, and a, the, the, the name of the school was called Woodlawn, Woodlawn High School. And God sent a, a chaplain, a sports chaplain, who humbly asked the, 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 uh, the football coach if he could speak to the team. And the coach refused at, 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 uh, at first, but then there was conflict, and there was one of the students that were, that were uh, knifed and uh, ambulance came and so on. So he came back to the coach and he said, Coach, I really need to speak to your team. And so he said, you have three minutes. You have three minutes to talk to the team. So when he assembled in, in, in the gym and the, the whole team, the blacks and whites were there and you could see it on their faces, the anger and the, and the confusion and so on. And he spoke and he said, are you tired of this? He said, aren't you tired of this? He says, don't you see what's going on? He says, he, he, he says, uh, do you want this to happen to your school? And he basically said the answer to all these problems, and we know it in this house, is Jesus. Amen? He said the answer to all these problems is Jesus Christ. And he, said, he, 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 he did something very amazing. He said, I want you to right now, if you want to stand for Jesus, if you want Jesus in your life, if you want to be a person that, that has the ability to forgive and, and to love your brother and so on, stand to your feet. And the whole team, God reached the whole team. It's an amazing story of how God uh, saturated this school with his presence. And then at the end of the movie, they said, guess what? This, they called it the Jesus Revolution at that time. I was in high school then in 73. You may remember it, Deacon John. You're shaking your head yes. And so they said, this is continuing. They said, there's, a, there's an event in Washington, D.C. at the mall. How many of you have been to Washington, D.C. on the mall? I have. Jeannie and I, years ago, we went. We were in Washington, D.C. on, guess what, the 4th of July weekend. 
That's the wrong time to be in Washington, D.C. at the mall. It was millions, millions of people. You might bring this down a little bit. It was millions of people. And at the mall, they are calling for a million Christians. Did you hear what I said? A million Christians to gather on the mall. This long, long, long stretch of property. A million Christians to gather at the mall to say, Jesus, you are Lord. And that's happening next week in July. That's happening next week. Praise the Lord. Now, when I shared that with Jeannie, she says, I would want not to. I, I, I love Jesus, but I would not want to be there <laughs> with a million people because she remembers how it was before. But, but beloved, the, the fact is, is God is not through with America. Amen. God is not finished with America. We just heard the news about the tragedy over in France and Bastille Day, and there's still crazy people killing people, and there's still all this conflict. And our bishop spoke last week. How, what do you, how do you how do you deal with troubles sometimes? What do you do? What is God's people, and how how does God want us to act and to react in the midst of trouble sometimes? And we live in a very uncertain world. Would you agree? Amen. We live in a very uncertain world. And what what is it that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, can do about it? How is it that we can live? Do we f- do we fear? Do we do we uh, uh, hide in, inside our, our our houses, just do our job and come to church and do a little bit of church and then and then just forget about things? No, we can't because it's on the news all the time. So, beloved, God has given me a message today. He's, he, he's filled my heart. In fact, my heart has been full this week as I have received from the Lord some important lessons of how much God wants to show up in our lives. And if we take it seriously, this is uh, Jeans and Jersey Month. Uh, Jeans and Jersey Month means that we focus on families, that the messages from God's word are focused on families. And in light of the, the current events and things that have happening, we haven't heard much about family messages so far, it, it, but, but really all that we've heard from God's word we can apply to our families, amen? We can apply to our, our homes and our marriages. And God desires, listen, that our families be blessed. How many of you want God to bless your family? Come on, raise your hand. Yes, we want God to bless our family. It, God desires that our marriages be blessed. How many of you want God to bless your marriage? Come on. Come on, husbands. Come on, wives. How many of you want God to bless your marriage? How many of you God w- uh, want God to bless your children? There's precious children in this house today, precious babies. I have now eight grandchildren and another one on the way from my daughter in Chicago. She's due next month. So we'll have, no, I'm counting, uh, seven grandchildren. We'll have eight when she delivers. Praise God, those grandchildren. And, and I just talked with yesterday our little grandson, Levi, and Ben and Danielle, our, our son and daughter-in-law, were here before, and then they moved to Oklahoma. And Levi is a year and f- four months now, and he's running all over the place. But you know what? When we sing about Jesus, he gets happy. He, he jumps. He, he, he does this. He loves music, but he loves to hear about Jesus. Where does that come from? Because my son and my daughter-in-law love God. And they're teaching their little one that Jesus is the most important. And so my heart is full this morning, El Cajon, because God desires to bless us. 
And your response was, when I asked you, how many of you want God to bless your life? In fact, let me ask you, how many of you want God to bless your life? Absolutely. We want God's blessing because we know that in his blessing, guess what? We can be a blessing to whom? To others. And that's God's call for us. So when you responded by yes, you want what God wants to give you. Then I want to, I want to show you what God says where his blessing lies. Our text this morning is in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, if you want to turn your Bibles to there, to Isaiah chapter 55. And we're going to have the verses on the screen as well. But in 55, God says this. Look at this. He says, everyone who is what? Thirsty, come to the waters and drink. Even if you have no money, he says what? Come and take what is your choice of wine and milk. He says, why do you spend money for what is what? Not bread. And your wages for what does not satisfy. Next verse. He says, listen carefully to me and let what is good and let your, and eat rather what is good. How many of you want to eat what is good? We're not just talking physical food now. How many of you want to eat spiritual food that's good? Come on. Come on, El Cajon. And let your soul delight itself in what? In abundance. Where does abundance come from? You know it. Say it with me. The Lord, he's the one that brings abundance. He says, incline your ear and come to me here and what? Your soul shall live. Next verse. It says, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies I promised David. Then he says what? Notice this. Seek the what? The Lord while he may be found. Let's say that again. Seek the Lord. Read it with me. Come on, you can see it on the screen. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Say it again. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Next one. Call on him while he is near. Then notice what he says. He says, next verse, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You know, our God is a God that abundantly pardons. Amen. Our God is a God that doesn't want to punish. Our God is a God that doesn't want to bring bring judgment. He wants to bring blessing. He wants to bring restoration. And he says, let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And in this text, beloved, God is offering an abundance of provision and protection and his presence if we just desire it. How many of you know the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what? And he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself, he says, in the Lord. Not Facebook. Not the cell phone. Not the video games. Not the TV. Not the things that distract. But delight yourself in whom? In the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And this text, I believe, is all about God's heart for you and me. Because first of all, I want you to see God's supply. God's supply. He says what? Everyone who is thirsty, come to the waters and drink. Even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine and milk. 
Now, we could say that God is saying, I will supply your physical needs. God supplies our physical needs. Amen? Anybody, anybody testify to that? God supplies our physical needs. Acknowledge that? Yes, he does. God gives us what? A place to live. He gives us food to eat. He gives us water to drink. He gives us employment. He gives us provision. And the Bible says here, we know this, and my God, Philippians 4.19, shall supply, does he say, some of your needs? You read that? And my God shall supply some of your needs. All your needs. According to whom? To his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know how I see that? Is God has an unlimited bank account. God has an unlimited bank account. Wouldn't it be cool just to get your checkbook out and God would say, just write any amount and it'll be cashed. Just write any amount and it'll be cashed. But God has an unlimited bank account and he says, I'll take care of all your needs according to our supply. What does he say, beloved? According to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So that's God's promise to us. However, God is saying so much more than supplying physical things. By the way, the two comes in our text here in Isaiah in, it is imperative verbs. God is not suggesting we come. He is imploring us to come. Why? Because, listen, because El Cajon, we need it. Every one of us in this room need God. Amen? Every one of us in this room need God's supply. You know, here's the thing. If you and I could see, if we could vision all that God has for us, I, I believe none of us would re refuse it. I, I believe none of us would ignore it. None of us would say, oh, that's nice. That's nice. You know, okay, God, thanks. I don't think we do that. If you and I, if God would show us a vision, if he would give us a dream tonight of all that he has in supply for his children, I don't think we'd refuse it. Do you? Or, or take it lightly. You know, every second Thursday of the month, I wanted you to know, here at El Cajon, 700 or more people line up here at El Cajon with food bank to get a box of food. And some have come so early that they s sit at the street waiting for the gate to be open. And they come for that box of food. Now, some need it, some don't need it, but they come because they know they can get it. Why do, in fact, just l this last Thursday, we had one here, Food Bank sponsored it. Um, and, and I pulled, I, I came in to the office and uh, two of our um, uh men at uh, New Seasons were directing traffic. And, and uh, if you know Jack, he's over at Spring Valley, Brother Jack, he said, Pastor Mike, he said, we had 730 people today come for a box of food. And he said they had to turn people away because they ran out of food. People come because they know they can get it. Last Tuesday night was the first Hot Meals here at El Cajon. Praise God. Many of you, many of you helped with that. You know what I'm talking about. We had a lot of food prepared and many, and, and like I said, many helped out. We were ready. But here's the thing. At first, no one came. 
And, and, and I said to the workers, I said, well, you might as well eat because there's plenty of food, remember? <laughs> and then I, then I remembered the Lord saying, you know what? Many are invited. There's a story in the Bible. Many are invited to the banquet, but they won't come. So go out into the, and I, and I put it this way, go out into the streets, go out to the parks, go out to the 7-Elevens, and compel them to come in. And guess what? Several of the team did, and they started coming. And when people came through the door that needed, that, that, that most of them were homeless, it gave me goosebumps to see the people come. And they, they sat at the table, and we made, made, it sure that, made sure to them that we wanted to serve them and so on. They were so appreciative of the food, and I had the privilege of giving the word of God, and two people came to Christ. Praise the Lord. Now listen, El Cajon. That was the first, the first hot meals. First. Spring Valley's been doing hot meals since 2005, I believe. But that was the first one here, and God brought the people. Why? Because we are here to bless those that need God's blessing. We are here with the supply that God has given to us. And God showed up. And in that that lesson the Lord taught me, he reminded me that those precious people that came, that he is their unending supply. And that's what I believe this text is talking about. God is saying, why do you spend money for what is not bread? Why do you spend your wages on what does not so satisfy? Beloved, listen, there lies the problem. You and I want God's blessing and supply for our families and our lives. But he's saying, listen, and and and. Do you find yourself doing this? Now, let's be honest. Why do you spin your wheels? Or spend time with or put your energies into what is not bread? Why do you spend more time? I'm going to get real personal here. Why do you spend more time on Facebook than me? Why do you spend more time on your cell phone? Or video games? Or let's talk worry or anxiety, or, or, or let's talk, focus on the problems. Why do you focus on the problems instead of me? Why, why do you? The problem with this, listen, beloved, is, is the Lord is asking his church, how can you be interested in other things besides me? Because I'm the only one who can bring genuine satisfaction. And, beloved, the problem is we try to find satisfaction through many things other than God. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be real. We struggle with that. And the Lord is reminding us, I'm the one. I'm the one that is your full supply. Look at what Jesus said in John 6.35. Read it with me at the bottom of the screen. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. <laughs> and he who believes in me, what? Shall never hunger. Thirst. Now, sometimes we think that that's just a verse for the unbeliever, the sinner. Come to Jesus, and he'll fill your life, and he'll give you himself, and you'll never. No, that's for you and I, follower of Jesus. We need this each and every day. He says, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one that so will supply. And you come to me. You keep coming to me. You keep, you keep depending on me and trusting me. I will, you'll never hunger, and you believe in me. You trust in me. You will never be thirsty. You remember 
the story in John 4, the woman at the well? Remember that? Some of you are shaking your head yes, others you don't. You should check it out in John 4. It's a great story. This woman who was not a Jew, Jesus comes to the well, and he asks her a very um, risky and uh, wild question because a Jew would not be speaking to a Samaritan woman. And he says, would you give me a drink? And I don't know. I mean, the scene, if you can imagine, she probably thought, why, how in the world, uh, you know, I'm not even worthy for you to, to, uh, to speak to me because the Jews considered the Samaritans like dogs. And she said, well, you know, I can, I can get you a drink from, from the, the well, Lord. And he said, well, here's the thing. He says, the water that I will give you, you'll never thirst again. Remember that? The water that I will give you will well up into a spring of water leading to everlasting life. Jesus was saying, listen, listen, you come to me. I'm the one that will quench your thirst. I'm the one that will take care of everything that you need. Now, I want you to know this John 635, this statement, this this declaration of our Lord Jesus, it's right after he fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And what was Jesus saying? If you desire, if all you desire is physical supply, you'll always not have enough. Do you know that that you're never if if you only if we only focus on the physical, it's never enough. You agree? It's never enough. We'll never have enough. We'll always be hungry and thirsty. But the Lord said, "I'm the bread of heaven, and I am the water of life." Bread and water, beloved, from Christ are symbols of fellowship and intimacy and relationship with him. Look at what he says in Revelation 3.20. He says this, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Now often we take this verse, is we use it, and I've used it before too, to share Christ with someone and say, listen, here's how you can invite Christ into your life. He says, I'm standing at the door uh, of your heart and I'm knocking. But guess what? Let's not forget that Jesus is speaking in this verse to the church. He's speaking to the church. And he's saying, listen, church, I'm standing at the door. Don't miss it. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And if anyone in the church hears my voice and what, beloved, opens the door, I will what is his promise? I will come in. And eat with you, and you will eat with me. Do you know that you can come to Sunday church? Do you know that you can come to the services? Do you know that you can come Sunday after Sunday and miss the Lord? Come on, church, let's be real. We can miss the Lord because we're preoccupied with all kinds of things, worry and and, and focused on all kinds of stuff, and we can miss the Lord. And he's saying, God, listen, wants to spread a feast of his blessing before us. But the condition is you need to open the door. (laughs) And you need to desire the Lord more than anything. Because in this text, not only is there God's supply, but look at this. There's God's sufficiency. Say it with me. God's sufficiency. Say to your neighbor, God's sufficiency. 
He says what? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in what? In abundance. God is reminding us, beloved, that he is all sufficient for anything. He is all sufficient for our families. He's all sufficient for our friends, our schedules, our responsibilities, our needs. He's more than enough. And he says, listen. And by the way, that word listen means pay attention in and take action. Be diligent in daily pursuit to pay attention to the Lord. Soul is, is a word in the Bible that means our whole makeup, that which we think, that which we pay attention to, that which we feel, that which we choose, our wills. He says, let your soul delight itself in abundance. As I was going through this text, I asked the question, well, how? How can my soul, every part of me, be satisfied with God's sufficiency? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> how, can, how can we have our whole sufficiency, sufficiency in God? Notice the next verse. He says what? Incline your ear to me and come to me here and your soul shall live. Brother Gina, would you come up here for a moment? Now, I love Brother Gina. I love him so much. He's a wonderful brother at New Season Church. And I'm going to say something to Brother Gino, okay, that you won't hear. Did you hear that? You didn't hear that? Gina, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're blessed to be a blessing. You're the apple of God's eye. But I just do. I pulled his ear. Incline your ear. I pulled his ear. I spoke into his ear. See? That's what God wants to do every day for you and I. Thank you, Gino. Believer. Gino knows me enough now that I'm not going to do something wild and crazy. Okay? He trusts me. But he says, incline your ear to me and come to me here and your soul shall live. There's the answer. Again, these are imperatives, beloved. Incline your ear, bend your ear, listen to what I have to say. Let me ask you, how do you listen to a sermon? Just let me ask you, how do you listen to a sermon? Do you sit in your pew casual, checking your cell phone once in a while, texting someone? Or do you sit erect, head up, on the edge of your seat, just waiting for the next word from God, anticipating what God is going to say next from the preacher? How do we watch a movie? If, if we're into the movie, how do we watch the movie? No. We watch a movie. What's the next scene? What, what's coming up? What, what's coming up? What's going on? Is it coming? Is it coming? You know, I love action movies, and I can't wait for the next scene. My wife loves love stories. and I'm <laughs> but, but in the action scene, she's probably sitting there thinking, and I'm thinking, come on, come on. Come on, guys, let's get real. That's how God 
wants us to hear from him with anticipation, with, with sitting on the, with, with being on the, the edge of our seat, anticipating, Lord, what are you going to say next? Beloved, that's the posture that God wants us to have because here in this text, I want you to see God gets real serious. He says, hear and your soul shall live. The word hear is an action word. It means not just listen, but hear with obedience. Let me ask you, if your doctor told you you had a certain condition, and this was a serious condition, and he said you got to take a certain kind of medicine, you got to do a certain kind of therapy, you got to do a certain kind of, of uh, these are the instructions, and you got to follow it to the letter. And you go home and say, well, my doctor prescribed this, but guess what? I know better than the doctor, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to push that aside and I'm just going to wait it out. And then three weeks later, you're not improving at all. You still are in a lot of pain. You're still in a lot of discomfort and worry. And you go back to the doctor and you say, doctor, it's not working. It's just not working, doctor. Uh, you know, you, you gave me this stuff, but it's not working. What do you think he's going to say? Did you take the medicine? Did you do the therapy? Did you follow the instructions? And if you said, well, doc, you know, I, I thought about what you said. And I thought, well, and you know what? I figured I don't have a lot of time for the therapy. And really, I don't need the exercise. But you know what the doc would say? Foolish man. <laughs> Foolish man. It's not my fault, is it? Beloved, here's my heart, is that, is that sometimes we treat God that way. Is he gives us the prescription. And the reason we're so caught up is we don't follow it. God says, listen, don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer. Do we do that? Do we do that? And then we wonder why we're caught up in anxiety. God says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Speaking of, of, of seeking him. Do we do that? And we wonder why our families are falling apart and marriages are cracking up and Christians are, are so helter-skelter today. It's not God's fault. He's all-sufficient. We just ignore the prescription. We just ignore the prescription. Look at what Charles Stanley says. To obey is to what? Bless ourselves. To disobey him is to curse yourself. Look at the text. He says this uh, in, our, in our text in Isaiah. He says, next slide. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies I promised David. New King James put it this, puts it this way. I will give you all the unfailing love I promise to David. Did you know that there are 3,000 promises in the word of God? 3,000. How many of you want them? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you want those promises? Beloved, I want all of those promises. I want my family to be blessed on God's promises. Look at this psalm. Read it with me, would you? Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord who greatly delights his commandments. Now notice, his offspring 
What is that? His offspring will be what? Mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. What's God's promise? His offspring, our children, will be mighty in the land. One of the things that I pray for, for my sons and my daughters and raising their children, is that in these times where people are throwing God under the bus, I pray, God, give them the strength, give them the fortitude, give them the heart in their generation to stand for Jesus Christ no matter what. Give them the fortitude, give them the instruction, give them the heart, give them, I mean, train them up, Lord, and help them to always stay faithful to you so that they pass that heritage on to their precious children. Beloved, that's what God wants. There isn't anything greater. Yes, I would love to win the lottery. But guess what? If my children were unsaved, that lottery wouldn't mean a thing, would it? There isn't any greater treasure than to be able to show your children Jesus Christ and to see them come to faith in Jesus Christ. I had the privilege and the joy of baptizing all of my children. Yes, that is that is the greatest treasure that money can't buy. Check this out. I, I, I gave this to you if you want to write this website down. This is, this is a great article about 12 promises every parent should ask God to fulfill for their children. There's the address. It's on the screen there, and I'll leave it up a little bit longer. But check that out. BibleStudyTools.com, blogs, Mark, Altrogi, it's all there. Check it out. Twelve promises that you, parent, can pray over your children and ask God for. See, God promised David that he would never give up on David. Now, was David a perfect guy? Was David a a squeaky clean guy? Absolutely not. You remember David's sin with Bathsheba? And then then he multiplied that sin by having Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed? David blew it big time. But God said David was, listen, a man after God's own heart. One of the things about David, beloved, that I want you to see, is he desired God. Look at this psalm. Does everybody get that? We'll leave it up there, but we'll put it back after this psalm. David said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. As the deer is so thirsty, being being, uh, uh, chased by, by, by the wolf or whatever, the lion, and the deer comes to that stream of water, So my soul longs for you, O God. I want you to, for a moment, if you would, turn in your Bible to Psalm, or to rather Samuel, 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, just a few books over in the Old Testament, where we find this promise that God gives David. And by the way, by the way, did you know that when, Dave, when God promises this to David as the king of Israel, that promise is fulfilled 
And we live in that promise, beloved, because that promise is fulfilled in, guess who? Jesus Christ. Because notice verse 12. He says in verse 12, when your days are fulfilled, chapter 7 of 2 Samuel, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, you will come from your, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, speaking of Solomon, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Now notice verse 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established. How long? Forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. That's a wonderful promise that God gave to David, saying, David, your house, your kingdom shall never end. And that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And guess what? The Bible says that someday Jesus is going to return. Someday Jesus is going to establish his kingdom on this earth. And those of us, his subjects, (laughs) are going to live where? In his kingdom. Those of us who belong to him are going to be with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The word mercy in this uh, Second Samuel uh, scripture is the word kesed, Hebrew word kesed. It means, as you can see on the screen, an unfailing kind of love, kindness or goodness, often used of God's love related to faithfulness to his covenant. God is faithful to his promise. And just as God provided a secure future for David and his house, God promises to provide a sure future for us all. And, beloved, I'm so glad that I'm secure in Jesus. Aren't you? Amen? No matter what happens, I have God in my corner. Is God in your corner? I have God at my side. I have God out front leading the way for my family and my marriage and my home and my walk with him. That's God's amazing presence, an amazing promise. So don't miss this. God says, you delight in me. You choose to follow me. You choose to pay attention to me. I will secure your life and your future as sure as I secure David's life and future. Because listen, the only secure future that you and I have, the only secure now that we have is Jesus Christ. So notice what he says in the next verse, next slide. He says, seek the Lord while what? He may be found. Call on him while he is near. So we find satisfaction in God. Not only only that he's our supply, not only that, that, that he is our sufficiency, but we find what? Satisfaction in God. Because notice, God doesn't have to prove himself to us, does he? But he invites us to find lasting satisfaction in him. How many of you know the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of what? Peace and not for evil. To give you what? A future and a hope. Now, beloved, just a little bit of background to this verse. This was God's promise to Israel after 
they came out of Babylonian captivity. Because verse 10 says, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you, speaking of Israel, his people. After, and, and I will perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. We often apply this verse and take hold of this promise no matter the situation. But they were in Babylon for a reason. God's people were in Babylon for a reason because they had, Israel had put God off. They had ignored God. They decided to put God on the back burner, and there was national disobedience. But God had promised that he would be their satisfaction because look at verse 12. I think what we should do as Christians is put verse 11 and 12 together. In fact, my son has Jeremiah 29:11 tattooed on his arm. You got it too, man? Just think, well, you know what? You know what, Solomon? If you put 11 on your arm, put 12 there too. Because look at what 12 says. Then what? You will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. Don't you find this interesting? When everything's going good, no problems, no issues, no stuff, what do we do? We coast, don't we? We tend to ignore God. Danny, right? Yeah. We, we ignore God, right? We, we, we don't need him. But when crisis hits, what do we do? Oh, Lord. Oh, God, help. Oh, Lord, what's going on? Oh, Lord, please. Son goes to the doctor, and there's a diagnosis that worries us. Oh, God, what do we do? But when things are going good, beloved, what do we do? Kind of coast. Kind of. Ooh, Jesus and me are, Jesus is all right with me. Jesus is just all right with me. Doobie Brothers, you know. Jesus is just all right with me. Jesus is just all right. But crisis, almighty God, please Please, Lord, please come. Please, Lord, please show us. Please, God, please step into this problem. Come on, church, myself included. We need God. I, I went to a, a prayer meeting on Monday that was called by our precious pastor. All the pastors and ministers in San Diego, including police force, and uh, Miles McPherson, Pastor Miles McPherson, he hosted it at his, uh, his church, uh, Rock East County. And one of the things that came out so clearly in that prayer time was, God, we need you. <laughs> we need God. We need God. There was no agenda. In fact, Pastor Miles says, you know, he says, I have a temptation to preach. But he says, I'm not going to do that. He says, we got to pray because we need God. We need God. He says, when then you will call upon me and go and pray, and I will listen to you. Then you will seek me and find me. When you what, beloved? Come on, let's get real. He, this is the Lord speaking. When you what? Search for me with all your heart. Do you know what? You know, when my kids were little, I, used, I loved to play hide, hide and go seek with them. You know why they love that game? Because they love to find daddy. 
they wouldn't stop until they found Daddy. Children of God, Daddy wants us to search for him with all of our heart. Come on. Children of God, Daddy wants us to search for him with all of our heart. Because, beloved, this is what God showed me. This is what God put on my heart. First Peter 4, would you show that one? Notice what it says. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Would you read that verse with me? For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. There may come a time, and our bishop has said it many times, where we'll not have freedom to meet like this. There may come a time, because the way our country's going, God may put us underground. And I don't want to be a doomsday preacher, but I take seriously when he says, while he may be found. God won't leave us, but we may get to a place where he visits us and we miss it. And I take 1 Peter 4.17 to mean that God will get our attention one way or the other. Because our text in Isaiah says this, notice. It says, let, next verse, says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now, don't take this as God talking only to the, only to the unbeliever because it's for every one of us. So he calls us in this text to not only rely on God's supply and his sufficiency and find satisfaction in the Lord, but listen, to surrender to God. Surrender. Read what the slide says. Surrender your sins. Surrender what? Your habits. Surrender your excuses. Surrender your resistance. Surrender your fears. He says, beloved, put it all away. Decide to throw off everything that keeps you from daily walking with Christ and pursue the Lord. Because notice the last verse in this text that I want to talk about today. Let him, come on, read it like you, you, you want to outshine my voice. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. Say it again. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. For some of you, it's return to the Lord. Another version says, let him turn to the Lord. For some of you, it's turn to the Lord. Beloved, as I wrap this up, God is inviting you and I to turn away from sin and whatever else keeps us from daily obedience and fellowship with him. God invites us to return to the Lord. And it says what? He will have mercy. Because notice what Joel 2 says. We can go to the next slide. This is what the Lord says. Turn to me now while there is what? Time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting and weeping. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. By the way, by the way, let me just share with you that God has placed a burden on our pastor. 
and he's called New Seasons Church to pray. You've heard this before. He's called every one of us, New Seasons Church, on Wednesday nights. We're not going to have a Bible study, but we're gathering as a people of God just to pray, just to seek the Lord. From now until, he said, maybe the month of September. But Wednesday's not going to be a Bible study. It's coming at 7 o'clock, and at 7.10, after worship at 7.10, we pray and we seek the Lord. He even invited those of us that have been there, and some of you have been, that if you want to set aside some days to fast and pray, that you commit that to the Lord. Because guess what? We can pray on our own, and we can stay at home and pray, but God works when his people gather together and pray together. God works when his people come together to pray. So I'm saying to you, El Cajon, I'm inviting you this coming Wednesday night to gather with other new seasons, brothers and sisters, to come out and pray. We're going to pray as pastor, uh, kind of the way he prays is for family, for friends, for fellowship with God, and for our future. Because this is time to get serious and seek the Lord. <laughs> Amen? God is inviting us to come to him. God is inviting us to stay in fellowship with him. The, the Joel scripture here is in reference to repentance. Repentance isn't just for the sinner. Repentance is for the saint. Notice what Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the German theologian said. Notice this verse. Next verse. He says, when our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, said repent, he called for the entire life of believers to be one in repentance. So here's what I want to say to you. I want to ask you today to make some changes. Before God, I want to ask you today to make a shift in your life. Before God, I want to ask you to do several things. Shift priorities. Shift affections. Shift choices. Shift your thinking. If you've been one that have been living, Jesus is just all right with me. Then shift that. Make that change. Say, Lord, I realize I've been coasting, but I need you. I need you each and every day. In fact, would, would all heads be bowed, all eyes closed? I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you for my family. I need you for my home. I need you for my marriage. I don't want to just coast. I don't want to just I don't want to just be a nominal Christian. But I want to be a faithful and diligent follower of you, Jesus. That's your heart desire. No one looking around. I just want to ask you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. If that's your desire, just raise your hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. I want to get serious with you, God. Thank you for that hand. I, I don't want to play games anymore, Lord. I want to spend more time with you than I do on the Facebook and on the computer and on the cell phone, whatever it is that I, I make 
you know, I, I, I focus on more than I do you, Lord. I, I want to read your word more, Lord. I, I, I will commit to pray. I will get with my brothers and sisters on Wednesday night, and I will come and I will pray with new my church, New Seasons Church. Thank you for those hands. Those of you, I ask again, if you want to make that commitment to the Lord, I want to pray for you. No, no, no one's looking around. This is a moment of truth with between you and the Lord. Father, I pray, and I thank you that you've called every one of us from this mighty word of God in your book, Isaiah, to seek you, to return to you, to turn to you, and you will have mercy. You are a God of compassion. You are a God of forgiveness. You are a God of, of wonderful grace. And, Lord, you don't, you don't give us one chance or a second chance or third chance. You give us all the chances to say, Lord, I need to come back to you, and I need to make you the most important person in my life. Make that commitment today. And guess what? Only God knows. <laughs> Only God knows how your life is going to be. The devil's going to fight it, but guess what? Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You've made that commitment today. You've said, yes, God, it's between you and God, and I saw the hands that I can pray for you, and I thank you. You've made that commitment today. Thank you, Lord, and those Lord, that are still kind of uncertain, move them to see how amazing you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God's people said amen. Amen. Let's celebrate the Lord. Thank you for those hands. Those of you that raise your hands, I want you to do one more thing. If you would meet with me right after the service, I want to personally pray for you and the commitment that you made and commit it and seal it with the Lord, and we bless you. And those of you that didn't raise your hands, hey, it's between you and God. It's between you and God. And just know that the Lord, that decision, and if, you know, you're uncertain, but the Holy Spirit's pressing you to say yes, say yes. <laughs>